So our text today is the verse 6. Simply those words, oil for the light. Inside the tabernacle sanctuary, which we have pictured for us here in Exodus chapter 25, you will find that natural light was shot out. And therefore light was supplied by burning oil in the golden lampstand found there in the holy place. The Hebrew word light in verse 6, it literally means for lighting. Over in Exodus 27, verses 20 and 21, which we have already read this morning, there we read, And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure oil, olive beaten for the light, to cause the lamp to burn always. This oil was therefore for lighting within the tabernacle. And it was lit and burned in the golden lampstand, and therefore gave light in the tabernacle holy place, with that great purpose of revealing all the glories of that wonderful sanctuary. The burning oil gave light in the midst of where there would have been darkness, and it illuminated the way into the very holy of holies itself. You see, the fact is this, that without the oil and without the light that it gave through its burning, The glories of the inner sanctuary which typified the glories of the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ would have been left in complete darkness to those who entered there. And also the way into the Holy of Holies and therefore access into the presence of God would not have been made plain and the way would not have been seen. Had it not been for the oil which burned, In the lampstand to show the way. The pure oil was therefore a tremendous and a necessary part of the tabernacle to reveal all of its glories and eliminate the way of access to God at the very mercy seat itself, and to enable also the high priest to serve unhindered as he ministered inside the tabernacle. Therefore, this pure oil is a really a wonderful picture of the person and of the work of the Holy Spirit as the one alone who reveals and who illuminates in the very life of the church. And I want us to consider today for a short time this wonderful type, the great necessity of the Holy Spirit in these aspects of the life of the church and it's just three aspects I want us to consider today the great necessity of the spirit in salvation in sanctification and also in our service the first thing I want us to consider today is the necessity of the Holy Spirit in salvation the necessity this oil for light the necessity of the Holy Spirit in salvation We can understand this if we remember that men by nature are dead in trespasses and in sins. Man by nature is spiritually blind. He is in himself dark to the truth of the gospel and to the beauties that are found alone in Jesus Christ. In the tabernacle sanctuary, Christ was revealed in type in the many wonderful objects that were found within it. And without the oil... Without the oil which burned in the lampstand to give this wonderful illumination and to give this light, it would have been impossible 
Impossible for those who entered to behold the beauty of the tabernacle sanctuary or to see clearly the way unto the Holy of Holies and therefore that access unto God. The beauty of Christ in his person and in his work which makes known to us the way of salvation and how we may obtain acceptance with God is revealed to us now in the written word of God, the Bible. And so in the spiritual sense, there is a great, there is a tremendous necessity of the Holy Spirit's illumination to reveal the word to those who are spiritually blind and are in the darkness and depravity of their fallen natural condition. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says clearly, The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And you see the truth that we are getting to here this morning is this. We are finding here the Holy Spirit therefore must illuminate. He is the one who must apply the word to the heart of those who are in darkness and in their sins. You see, as John 6 and the verse 63 teaches us, it is the spirit that quickeneth. Titus 3 verse 5, it says, It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And you see, child of God, the simple truth is this. If God were to leave men in the darkness of their fallen condition, no one would ever be saved. And yet, as we know, some are saved. And so the question is this, why are some saved? And the answer simply is that they are effectually called and regenerated by God, the Holy Spirit. You consider with me, the plight of every sinner outside of Christ. Those without Christ, you will find they are dead in sins, totally depraved in their nature. In and of themselves, every part of the sinner's being has been affected by sin and its pollution. He is blind to the beauty that is found alone in Jesus Christ. What an awful plight men and women find themselves in today. Consider the privilege, the privilege of salvation. You see, we find that in the case of some, the Holy Spirit, he performs a mighty and a tremendous work. It is called, therefore, as in Ephesians 2, 5, it is called a quickening. Being born again in John 3, 4, and 7, and being raised up actually from the dead, Ephesians 2 and the verse number 6. You see, it is a tremendous miracle of God's divine grace through which he regenerates and restores men spiritually into union with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit alone is the one who illuminates the darkened heart to its sinful condition before a holy and a righteous God and who shows the sinner his great need of coming alone for salvation in Jesus Christ. Consider with me also the product of salvation. You see, in such cases, the result of this regenerating work of the Holy Spirit is this. The gospel then has a powerful effect in the life. You see, what before? What before seemed foolishness to the guilty sinner? Foolishness to him. 
No desire of Christ. No thought of his soul. What before was foolishness to the one outside of Christ in the darkness and depravity of the sin now pricks the heart of the guilty sinner. What before seemed as only the word of man is now received as we are taught there in in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. As it is in truth the word of God which now effectually worketh in them that believe. You see when a sinner of themselves read or hears the word of God preached. It simply goes in one ear and it goes out the other because by nature he is blind and deaf to the truth of the gospel. He is spiritually dead of himself and can do nothing of himself to respond to the general call of the gospel. But you see the truth is this child of God and here's the great necessity and need of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church in this great working of salvation. How different it is when the Holy Spirit illuminates and regenerates the darkened and dead and depraved heart. Just as our Lord gave blind Bartimaeus his sight. So the Holy Spirit through his great power illuminates the darkened sinner to behold and to believe the truth of the glorious gospel of God's redeeming grace. The Holy Spirit effectually and he alone irresistibly calls darkened and dead sinners from darkness unto light. And you see what I'm saying to you this morning is this. That without a direct work of the Holy Spirit in the heart. Men may hear what the preacher says. They may even enjoy what the preacher says. They may read the word of God and they may even enjoy the reading of the word of God. But they will never of themselves be convicted and converted unto Jesus Christ. But you see as the people of God this morning. We can have great confidence as we witness to the lost. We can have great confidence to those little ones born into our own households. We can have a great confidence for those in our friendship and in our family circles. See, we read in Acts chapter 2 in the verses 38 and 39, Peter here preaching on the day of Pentecost. Then Peter said, here's the general call, here's the minister standing preaching the word, here's you witnessing to those in your friendship and your family circles. Then Peter said unto them, repent. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises to you and it's to your children to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And you see from that first delivery on the day of Pentecost of that divine message of the gospel it was clear it was clear that there was divine power accompanying that divine message. And thousands were illuminated on the day of Pentecost. They were brought to obedience of faith. They were brought to that place of repentance. But you see what I'm saying to you this morning is this. It was not Peter's words which produced such an effect in the lives of these individuals. God had given the promise. The promise is the same today. It's to you. It's to your children. It's to those that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But it was not Peter's words. 
that caused this effect. They were necessary. They were that means which God had chosen in which to deliver that divine message. They were necessary. But it was rather the power of the Holy Spirit that produced this result in the lives of these individuals who of themselves were dead in trespasses and in sins. By God's grace, 3,000 souls were brought to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And you see, child of God, what I'm saying to you this morning is this. Repentance and remission of sins is still preached to the chief of sinners even today. Still preached in the Redeemer's great name. And still the encouraging promises are to us, to our children, to those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You see, child of God, we can witness with confidence to sinners outside of Christ. You can witness to that little Sunday school class that God has given to you. You can witness to your family members, to your friendship circles, to those connected to you who are still outside of Christ and without a saviour, realising that the power is not of us. We are only the means. God has given his word and through us the means to deliver that word, but yet the scripture teaches us that power belongeth unto him. We can speak with confidence to sinners because we know that God has promised to bless his own word. And he will not allow it to return to him without accomplishing that purpose which he has purposed for it. You see, Isaiah 55 verse 11, it says, So shall my word, it is his word, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I have sent it. As the people of God, we need the power of God, the Holy Spirit. As we seek to spread the good news of the gospel, and as the Lord has promised, he has promised this to them that ask him. And look, 11 verse 13, it says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So can you see here, child of God, in, in, in this first point this morning, as we consider this great truth of oil for the light, the necessity of the continual burning of the oil to give that illumination, that revelation, pointing us to the great person and work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, and in this particular aspect, in the very salvation of sinners, that we can have everything in its place. We can be dotting every tie, I, and we can be stroking every T as it were. And yet, unless we have the operation and moving of God the Holy Spirit, vain is the help of man. So when you see here this morning the great necessity, even in our own, our own experience, our own times of prayer, and the life of the church of pleading, of pleading primarily for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, of pleading for the, the oil for the light, that it might burn always, 
think of the, in the book of Revelation, how the Lord moved amongst the candlesticks, thinking about the church. The same, the same aspect is there. We are a candlestick, as it were. But we need the oil for the light. We need it to burn continually, that souls might be saved. We need the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Think then, secondly, this morning, about the necessity of the Holy Spirit in sanctification. Necessity of the Holy Spirit in sanctification. You may ask the question, well, what is sanctification? We're thinking about this big word, what is sanctification? To sanctify, it simply means to, to separate or to set apart for a holy use. Really thinking here now, this morning, about the child of God. We're thinking about uh, our walk with God or really our, our progression in holiness and our, our walk with God. Uh, think with me then, uh, notice with me uh, how sanctification commences. Sanctification, it flows from our justification, from our salvation. It is an ongoing process whereby the indwelling Holy Spirit enables us more and more each day to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness, conforming us more and more daily to the image of Christ. And this ongoing process will not be completed or reach its perfection in this life, but only whenever we enter into glory. Lord Jesus Christ had a lot to say about uh, the sanctification of his people, this aspect in the life of the church, uh, about his people and their sanctification. Uh, think of John chapter 17, and there in the verse 16, the Lord Jesus Christ, he says concerning his people, uh, they are not of the world. They're no longer of the world. They're now different. They have been saved. They've been illuminated by the Holy Spirit. The light of the gospel has entered and they have been saved. They are no longer of the world, even as I am not of the world. You see, just as the Lord had redeemed and had delivered his covenant people Israel from the bondage of Egypt, he had set them apart to serve and to worship him. So also the Lord has redeemed. He has delivered us from the bondage of our sin and from the bondage of Satan. <coughs> and has set us apart from the world to serve and to worship him, that we might live lives of holiness, that we might be examples and might live for his honor and for his glory. Notice then with me how sanctification continues in our lives. In John 17 verses 14 and 15, the Lord himself, he goes on to say concerning this particular subject, he says, I have given them thy word. It's very important. He says here, I have given them thy word. The world that hates them because they are not the world, even as I am not the world. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Then over in verse 17, he goes on to say, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so we're thinking here uh, now about our progress as believers in the Christian life. Progress in our walk with God, progress really in overcoming sin daily and progressing in living really for the glory of God in our lives. This progress in sanctification you will find is only possible by the enabling power of God the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm getting to. This progress in holiness, this walk with God, this going on and going through with God, this progress in sanctification is only possible by the enabling power of God the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And the means that he uses to direct and to guide us in our sanctification is the word of God, the precious word of truth. And notice with me also 
how sanctification therefore is communicated. You see, the Holy Spirit illuminates our hearts also as the people of God, illuminates our minds as he reveals to us daily the living word of God. In Psalm 119 and the verse 130, it says there that it is the entrance of thy word that gives what? It gives light. The entrance of God's word, it gives light and it gives understanding even to the simple. This verse establishes really the the basic method of how God sanctifies his people by illuminating and by instructing them through his precious word. You see, when God's word enters and it begins to illuminate the heart of a person who has been saved and brought into the light of the glorious gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit, it gives to them light. It gives to them understanding in their very life. Just as the oil burned and gave light to behold the wonders of the inner sanctuary of the tabernacle in its depth and in all of its fullness, so the Holy Spirit illuminates the pages of holy and divine truth. And he, through this, enables the people of God to understand daily in their walk with God. He he enables them to understand more of what they are and of what they have in union with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he applies that, that great truth, to their lives daily. You see, God the Holy Spirit, he speaks to his people directly and authoritatively through the pages of his revealed truth. The old reformers, they called this activity of God by which the truth of his word is brought upon the mind and conscience of God's people, the internal witness of the Holy Spirit. The internal witness of the Holy Spirit in the lives of God's people. The old reformers stressed that this activity was the, inter- the internal applying by the Holy Spirit of the external revelation of the word of God. In other words, as we study the Bible, God the Holy Spirit speaks to us and he illuminates us and he transforms us by the truths that we find there. That's the purpose. Sanctify them through the word. Thy word is truth. That's the purpose of studying, of reading the word of God, that we might be transformed, that we might be sanctified, might be able to grow in grace, to go on and to go through with God, to lay aside every sin, and the weight that doth so easily beset us. And you see, as you read the word of God, therefore, there is actually, there is actually a direct encounter of the individual believer with God the Holy Spirit. You see, what I'm saying to you is, this book is a living book. It's not just a, a collection of truths. It is the living word of the living God. And for this reason, therefore, Believers are encouraged and repeatedly, over and over, believers are encouraged to study and to read the word of God. Psalm 119 verses 98 and 99, it says, Thou through thy commandments, or through the living word of God, thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies. That was the testimony of the psalmist. Through the word of God, being applied to his heart and his life, through the elimination of the Holy Spirit, 
He was made wiser even than all of his enemies. They are ever with me, he says. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Why? Because thy testimonies are my meditation. And this was the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ for his people as he prays in John 17, 17. This is the Lord's prayer for his church, for the life of the church, for his people within who are the church. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so you want to see a man that is wise, that has a knowledge, that has wisdom, he'll be a man of the book. He'll be a man who knows the word. He'll be a man who is in communion with God every day because as the scripture teaches here, it is through thy commandments that thou has made me wiser than mine enemies. So here's the great, the great necessity of the word of God and the illumination of the Holy Spirit bringing this to life in the sense into our hearts and into our souls in the life of uh, the, very, uh, the very church. The believer, uh, as we know, he, he does receive uh, an understanding of truth to a certain extent at the new birth or through his salvation, through his justification. John 6 verse 45 it says, And they shall be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. But you see, child of God, that's only the beginning. Your salvation, your justification, that is only the beginning. Our understanding of the word of God is, is very limited and is very, uh, really imperfect at our conversion when we're brought to Christ. And therefore, more and more illumination is needed to enable us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, from day to day. We have an example of this in, in Luke 24 in the verse 44. And here the Lord Jesus speaking to his disciples. He, he says to them, to his very disciples, he says, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. You see, these disciples, they, they had been with Christ for three years. They had heard, as it were, much of his teaching. But you will see that they could not understand these things of themselves. They needed their understanding to be opened. They needed more and more illumination. In verse 45 we read there, Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. And here it is for us really in a nutshell. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. And see also Colossians 1 and the verse 9, the apostle Paul, he prays there, We also do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with all the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and in spiritual understanding. That's the great prayer of Christ for the church, that the people of God might be filled with all the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and in spiritual understanding. And child of God, that comes through the word of God. That comes through time. It comes through spending time with God, uh, even in the, 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 the book and in the place of prayer. And where the Holy Spirit brings illumination and wisdom is given and instruction and illumination even in our, our very lives. Then what is the result? What is the result of sanctification? Having been uh, led to saving faith in, in Christ by the Holy Spirit, we are by means of the word of God. Uh, through the illumination of the Holy Spirit, we are enabled to be conformed more and more to Christ's image and to be subdued to his will. That's the great purpose, child of God, in your life may be conformed more and more to the image of Christ and that you might be subdued even to his will.
You see, if, as, as I've already said, the Bible itself is far more than just a body of revealed truths. Maybe some young people here today, younger, younger ones, and uh, you've been given this book maybe in Sabbath school or from your parents, and maybe that's what you just treat it like, just simply like another book. And it's not just uh, a collection or a body of revealed truths. It is supernaturally inspired by God, revealed by him. It is therefore a living word, and the living God actually speaks through its pages to, for, to us. And therefore it's not merely to simply just to be valued as a, a, simply a sacred object, to be placed on the shelf and left there and, and neglected in our lives, as can be the case uh, with so many of God's people. But rather, it is to be treated, this book, this book is to, to be treated really as holy ground. You think of Moses when he went to meet with God up on the mount, took the shoes from off his feet, he was on holy ground, he was in the presence of God. God was going to speak to him, going to reveal things to him. And so this book is to be treated simply the same like holy ground where believers' hearts and mind come into actual, come into vital contact with the living, true and gracious God. We will speak to your soul. He will instruct you and guide you in the way we're in. Uh, even you should go. Uh, then thirdly this morning, and, and quickly for no time's away, so much more I could say, but uh, our time is, is running away with us here. Then thirdly this morning, uh, there is the necessity of the Holy Spirit in our service. The necessity of the Holy Spirit in our service. Uh, the burning oil uh, in the tabernacle also. Uh, you will find it enabled. What did it do? The burning oil in the tabernacle and the lampstand. What did it do? It enabled the priest to serve unhindered in the correct manner inside the tabernacle. Unhindered and in the correct manner inside the tabernacle. Uh, one thing that is sometimes overlooked as we consider the Holy Spirit given illumination and understanding in the scriptures is what's the purpose of it? What's the purpose of it in our lives? To, to hear some making arguments in this sense, it would seem that the whole purpose of illumination is to have only an accurate and academic understanding of God's word. And there is no question that God does desire us as his people and as his church uh, to accurately understand what he has revealed in his word. Uh, words do have meaning and therefore we must pay attention to the detail, to the truth, to the theology of God's precious word, to the doctrine that's contained there. But if, however, we stop there, if we stop simply there and we only have an academic understanding of doctrinal facts in our head, they will do no one any good. No one any good. You see, the fact is this, child of God, as we think about this aspect of service, the, the fact is this. The elimination of the Holy Spirit always points us to action. Always points to action. Why does God, the Holy Spirit, help us understand his word? Give us an academic, give us a doctrinal understanding, a theological stance upon things? Well, it is with this purpose. So that we are able to live its light in reality. So that we're able to live its light in reality. So that we as the people of God may therefore serve unhindered and in the correct manner. And where the Lord has placed us, that's the great purpose. Wherever the Lord has placed you, should it be in the Sabbath school? Should it be in the children's work? Should it be the mother in the home? Should it be a committee man? Should it be an elder, the very minister? The Lord has given us, has illuminated us, has given us the understanding of truth. 
not that we might just simply have an academic understanding of it, but that we might serve unhindered and in the correct manner to the very glory of God, be an example for the truth of his precious word. And this is why the Lord says to us as his people in James 1 and the verse 22, he says there, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. That's why the Lord relates this verse to us in the, in the church of Jesus Christ. We're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. You see, such individuals are those who have been brought to understand the truth of Scripture. They've been saved. They gladly receive it. But the fact is this, from a gladdened heart, they gladly obey it and they work it out and do it in their very lives. We have this really summed up for us in Ephesians chapter 2 and the verse number 10 where it says there that we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And here you have, you have, you have simply three thoughts. You have the first one of ownership. Ownership. For we are his. He's bought us with his precious blood. Secondly, you have workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus, saved by his grace, sanctified by his grace. And you have, thirdly, discipleship that we should therefore walk in them God has saved us he sanctifies us through his word and it is with that great purpose that we might serve him for his honor and for his glory alone if you turn to you don't have to do so Psalm 119 we find there statements of personal action connected with with illumination uh, which is wrought in the heart by the Holy Spirit. Verse 27, the psalmist says, make me, there's the action, make me to understand uh, the way of thy precepts and so shall I talk of all thy wondrous works. So he wants to understand, uh, he wants to talk of the wondrous works of God. There's action there connected with illumination. Verse 34, he says, give me understanding again in truth. Why? that I might keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Verse 171, My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. You see, these two, they naturally go hand in hand in the life of the child of God who is seeking to live for the glory of God. And you see, the reality is this, the Spirit of God who enlightens us to hear and to understand God's word will then take that knowledge and will guide us in living it through sanctification, therefore enabling us to actively serve the Lord to his honor and to his glory. As Romans 8 verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So those who are led by the Spirit of God and doing the will of God, they are the sons of God. So that should be the desire, therefore, in the life of the church, in your life as an individual, as part of that great body of the Lord's people, uh, that the Holy Spirit, there might be in this particular candlestick here, might be continually oil for the light, uh, that people might be saved, that the people of God might be sanctified and able to serve the Lord to his honor and to his glory. Two simple things I'll just leave with you. Time's away. Haven't, haven't time to develop these at all this morning, but uh, you will notice that the lampstand was uh, enabled by the supplied oil 
to serve as light amid the darkness. You can, you can think that out for yourself. Uh, you can see the thoughts that would flow from that there. And the lampstand was enabled by the supplied oil to serve as a light amid the darkness. That's the point why you're here in this earth, child of God. That you might be a light in the midst of darkness. Uh, notice that the light which shone from the lampstand, it also confronted the darkness around it. That's the purpose of the church also to confront the darkness out there and to stand for truth and to stand for righteousness' sake. I haven't time to develop those things this morning, but I leave them with you and trust that the Lord will bless uh, these simple thoughts to your heart today. Uh, the great necessity, see it this morning, child of God, the great necessity of oil for the light, the great necessity of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, in salvation and sanctification, and also in service. And therefore, pray for that, pray to that end. Uh, that's the great purpose why we meet in times of prayer uh, in your own private time uh, that you might have open to you the winds of heaven. Uh, the Holy Spirit might be poured out in power in the life of the church. Uh, so we use these words, vain is the help of man, without thee we can do nothing. Do we ever really think about them? We can do nothing without the Holy Spirit, without his working in the life of the church. How much more would be seen done if we were on our knees, on our knees Pleading, pleading. And the scripture teaches us, if ye then being evil know how to give good, give good gifts unto your children. And if I was to ask you uh, this morning, those of you who are parents here, you want the best, don't you? You want the best for your children. You, you give to them the best things that you can in their lives. Uh, you seek to bless them in this sense, in a, in a physical sense, that they might, might have these things outpoured to them, which you're able to give. And yet, what does the scripture say? How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. He has promised, promised to pour out the blessing of the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. So it's the experience that has been purchased for us through Jesus Christ. It's not something we have to earn. It's not something that we have, there's not something that we have to do uh, to gain this. It's already been purchased for us in Christ and therefore it's something that we can plead for and it's something that we can experience as a reality in the life of the church. May the Lord bless us. May he cause us to seek for this in these aspects in the life of the church and may you have this experience here in this particular corner of the vineyard in this lampstand and the Holy Spirit would move in such a way. Let's close in a word of prayer please. Lord and dear Heavenly Father we just thank thee again for thy word that's been opened in our midst we thank thee for the, the pages of divine truth, for the living word of the living God. We thank thee it is the entrance of thy word that gives light, gives understanding to the simple. We pray you'll apply your word to our hearts. Help us as the psalmist also prayed, hide, hide thy word in, in my heart that it might not sin against thee. So it's our desire to go on, to go through with God. It's our desire to have this experience of being in communion with thee through the word. To have this experience of applying the word to our hearts, enabling us to go on and to go through with God. Even in the life of the church, might see sinners saved, add unto the church such as should be saved. And therefore, Father, help us to be an example. So often we can be a bad example and we pray you'll forgive us for our sins. Help us to be a good example. Help us to be wise as thou dost instruct us in the word of God and teach us the way wherein we should go. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. We fall, we fall, not be utterly cast down for the Lord. 
upholds him with his hand. And so it's our desire that continually we will be uh, forgiven, brought to that place where we should be, and we'll be sanctified, led on to higher heights, deeper depths in our experience with thee. Bless uh, this particular corner of thy vineyard, thy people here. Uh, Lead them on with thee. Save the lost, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake and for his glory. Amen.